Welcome to PTJ Author Interviews. PTJ Editor-in-Chief Alan Jetty talks with authors about the most interesting and sometimes surprising aspects of their work. And now, Dr. Jetty. Hello, I want to welcome listeners to this PTJ podcast. This is Alan Jetty. I'm Editor-in-Chief of PTJ, and today I'm very pleased to welcome as my guest, Dr. Tara Dixon, who is Assistant Professor in the Department of Physical Therapy at the University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center in Dallas, Texas. Tara, welcome to our podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Today we're going to talk about an article uh, she published in PTJ entitled Factors That Predict Institutional Adoption of Professional Physical Therapist Education Programs. Tara, I'm going to give a little summary to our listeners of your study, and then we can talk about it. But let me start by saying I really enjoyed uh, the article. I've not read a lot of literature on this issue, and it's, uh, it's a topic that I frequently have wondered about and how institutions decide whether or not to adopt a new program in PT. To summarize your work, you note in your article that between 1995 and 2015, the number of accredited physical therapist education programs in the United States rose from 127 to 224. And in the present study that you published, sources of institutional revenue as well as expenditures were used uh, as predictors for the adoption of a physical therapist education program. You conducted a retrospective event history analysis using yearly institutional data and you calculated the hazard of an institution adopting a new program in physical therapy based on revenues and expenditures. The findings do reveal that academic capitalist behaviors, the phrase that you use, appears to affect the number and the types of programs that are offered within an institution. So let's talk a little bit about your study. And first, in terms of your sample, it was interesting to me that you excluded from your study private for-profit institutions from your analysis. What was the reasoning behind that? Sure. And I, I know that that can be uh, something that is a little bit controversial here, um, especially uh, given the types of institutions that are now adopting new programs. Um, but this particular study was grounded in the theoretical framework of academic capitalism, which differs from a capitalist model in which for-profit institutions are run. So while for-profit institutions um, primarily seek to make money to please their investors, public and private not-for-profit institutions, they actually seek to produce, produce different kinds of products within themselves, and even those products can compete for resources. Um, for example, Two products might be physical therapy graduates and research knowledge. And an institution um, that primarily focuses on producing more graduates may actually end up having fewer resources so that they can then divert to producing more research knowledge, kind of depending on the resources that the institution has. Um, at the same time, those institutions are also competing with one another for both money and prestige. And prestige actually costs institutions money um, 
to achieve in terms of more research endeavors, more lab space, more student programming. And so for-profits tend to not pursue prestige and instead live in that capitalist environment where they're trying to create a profit. So for-profits can achieve their aims without competing with institutions, and so they really needed to be excluded from the analysis based on the hypotheses that I made. Their aims are so much different um, for, sure. from publics and um, sure. for-profits. Yes, sir. It makes sense. It, it may reduce the generalizability of your findings to some degree, but it makes it easier to test the um, the questions that you had in your study. Right. You note in your article that for both public and private institutions, during the period of 1995 to 2008, the rate of program adoption had declined, but it's from 2013 to 2015 we see that it's increasing. Why do you think this is occurring? Well, I think the recession had a lot to do with it. You know, prior to 2008, public institutions in particular had relatively more state funding per enrolled student, and thus they were less reliant on tuition to balance their budgets. Uh, private school donations and endowments were also doing pretty well in that time frame um, due to the economy and thus private schools were not suffering economically like they were after 2008. Um, from 2013 and even today, the rate of program adoption has increased, likely because of tuition reliance. So state funding for higher education has not reverted back to pre-recession levels, even as of 2015. So similarly, many private school endowments were depleted during the recession, so institutions are looking into alternative ways to balance their budgets. So based on my research thus far, it seems like one way they're doing that is by adding more physical therapy programs. And that actually touches on my next question. You note that uh, in 2001, over half of the programs were housed within public institutions, but this trend is changing. New programs appear to be coming online more within the private institutions. Was that a finding that you expected to see? Um, it was a finding I expected. I, I wasn't surprised to see that. Um, public institutions have the benefit of having some financial buffer from their state governments. And though this buffer has declined, relatively speaking, over the years, it still does seem to provide some insulation against outside financial pressures. So public institutions can rely on having this revenue source, but a private institution, particularly particularly those that are less well-resourced, must increasingly rely on a fluctuating population of students that are interested in attending that institution. So that might drive these institutions to find new and innovative ways to create student interest um, and to create some cost-effective seats within those institutions. So physical therapy programs are likely an example of them trying to do that. You know, consistent with that reasoning, given the theory that you were using, you hypothesized that institutions that were less well-resourced, more tuition-reliant, would be the ones most likely to adapt uh, to environmental pressures by bringing on new programs. Was this what you found? Um, this particular analysis looked pr 
primarily at within institution changes rather than comparing whether or not an institution was well resourced. Um, so this study didn't really answer that question fully. Um, my co-author Barrett Taylor just published a book this year entitled Unequal Higher Education. And this study was conducted among four-year bachelor's degree institutions between 2005 and 2013. Um, he and his co-author found that more financially vulnerable institutions were increasing their student enrollment and becoming more reliant on tuition dollars. And more elite institutions didn't seem to fall to environmental pressures in the same way as they were better able to compete for funding, such as from alumni donations or very high levels of grant funding. So yeah. taken together, I think both of these studies certainly seem to provide evidence um, that it is more tuition-reliant institutions that are adopting new programs. And then um, you found that the, the more total revenue a given private institution generated, which you've already been talking about, the less likely it was to add a program to search for further revenues. And you also found findings that private institutions were far more likely to adopt a, a new program with rises in total expenditures, which was not the case for the public institutions. Did these private public findings surprise you? Not really. As I talked about earlier, public institutions have that financial buffer from their state governments. And private institutions, barring those elite private institutions, um, most of them at least are relatively more reliant on tuition to balance their budgets. So they uh, are going to be more highly reactive to financial pressures. Also, private institutions have a little bit of luxury in that they have a little bit less red tape to adopt new programming. Um, and so they can act a little bit more quickly than um, public institutions can to adopt a new program based on their financial needs. Um, yeah, I had not thought of <laughs> yeah, I had not thought of of that, and that um, makes a lot of sense. It certainly, certainly, and and public institutions are more subject to government aims, um, and so their coordinating boards within the state governments um, may not allow for for um, adding new programs if there doesn't seem to be a state workforce need necessarily. I would have thought, given the reduction in state resources being provided to public institutions, that they might start acting more like private institutions in regards to new programs. But I had not thought about the bureaucracy that they would have to go through much easier as a private institution to launch a new one. It makes sense. I'm guessing there's a little bit more. I've I've only worked in public, so so I can't say for certain. Yeah, and I, I've worked primarily in private, and um, I, I do think it's much easier. So I think your point is very well taken. You also reported in your study that for every one percent increase in total student STEs that an institution enrolls, a given institution is more likely to adopt a, a new physical therapy education program, uh, 2.45 times for a public and 2.16 times for a private uh, not-for-profit institution, all else being equal. What do you see as the implications of that finding? 
I think when an institution increases its student enrollment, it's likely doing so because it provides another opportunity to capture revenues in the form of tuition dollars. Um, so increasing student enrollment can be a way to balance a budget without having to increase the cost of tuition to students. Um, yep. Some financially vulnerable institutions would like to add more undergraduate students, but they may not be a desirable enough institution to fill all of their existing seats. Um, so another way to increase the overall number of students would be to add uh, professional programming, um, something a little bit different to attract a different kind of student. I have to say, as an individual looking at our field, your your bottom line finding that uh, a workforce shortage does not appear to be what is driving institution decisions to adopt new PT programs is of concern to me. Sure. Um, you report that the education program is is could arise for reasons that are internal to the institution more than external in terms of what we need out there. Mm -hmm. That concerns me. Would you share that concern, or do you view that differently? I don't do view that differently. I, I think these trends are concerning. Um, I think that as a profession, we've also wrongly uh, had the tendency to blame individual programs or our accrediting body for, quote-unquote, allowing this to happen, um, when, it, in fact, it seems like it's a much broader problem that probably affects many different professional programs. Um, it seems like this similar cycle of workforce shortages and sh surpluses has affected other professions like nursing and law as well. Um, there's more job openings for our new graduates right now um, than individuals to fill positions, so it's not a dire, you know, kind of an urgent thing that that um, that we need to really worry about at this point. But I think in looking at the future, we need to be aware that this is happening so that we don't get to yeah. the point where there's more graduates than jobs. You know, I was the dean of a rehab science school back in the 90s, the late 90s, when there was a change in reimbursement for physical therapy services, and it really constricted the number of jobs available under for, for new PTs in a very short period of time, and I worry that something like that may be happening again as we go forward with um, health care reform. Sure. I think that's a, that's a legitimate concern. We've seen that happen. Again, we've seen that happen before in other kinds of professions, and, and health care is certainly something that's always on the table in terms of needing reform. Well, I want to thank you both for taking the time today to share your study with our listeners and also for publishing your work in PTJ. I look forward to seeing future work from you and your colleagues um, in our journal. So thank you very, very much. Well, thank you again for having me.